In today's show, I'm giving out my awards for the NBA season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out PrizePix.com, use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Well, I'm back after a couple of days absence. We're going to go through and do award, uh, uh, not predictions, my awards. This is how, if I had a NBA award ballot, this is how I would give out the awards. Tomorrow, after the 9-10 playing game is done today, I will do my playoff predictions. I'll go through my Watfos, and then we'll do some sleeper and bust reviews as well. Remembering that I'm going to be pre-recording a bunch of shows here over the next few weeks. So there's going to be plenty of shows out there. Hey, if you can keep watching them, keep watch, listening, that would be awesome. Warney is here as well, so... Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk NBA MVP. It's a tough call, and I don't think that there's really a massively incorrect answer out of the top three guys who are pretty universally looked at that way. And that is Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. And that's the order that I've put them in. So I've gone with Jokic at number one. I don't you know, prescribe to the, you know, look at the, look at where he's seated. Yeah, I, I don't do that because, you know, what is it? Two games? One game? Difference between, between these players? Like, it's not, but... If I have a look at the actual difference in the games won, so, you know, what, the 51 for the Bucks and the Sixers, and the Nuggets are at 48. Like, it's three wins. And yes, that's a six seed versus a two and uh, versus a three and a four. It's not that different, right? It, it just isn't. And we know that the Sixers were missing you know, Ben Simmons for most of the season through you know, Ben Simmons' own issues and, and the Sixers' issues, to be fair. The Nuggets were missing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. all year. The Bucks were relatively healthy. So, like, how do you weigh that stuff up? So, I just look at what Jokic was able to do for this team. He's, all his advanced numbers are absolutely through the roof. He's by far the number one player in all of those numbers, but even his traditional counting stats are unbelievable. And I just think watching him, like just the actual importance that he brings to that team. Like those other two guys are actually, they're obviously they're important, but I just think that Jokic has been the best player in the NBA this year, like he was last year. We'll see what this means in the playoffs, but this is not a playoff award. It's not based on last year's playoffs either. It's based on who I think was the best player, the most valuable player during this regular season. And I'm going with Jokic. And then I'm following it up with Giannis. And then I'm going with Joel Embiid at number three. I think I felt more comfortable with Jokic at one. You know, I feel more like there's more uh, stratification with him at one versus picking two and three between Giannis and Embiid. I find it, found it really hard to go back and forward between those two as to which guy should be sitting there at number three. I think Giannis's, um ability defensively has been better than Embiid's this year. Offensively, Embiid has probably been better than Giannis, but I, I just think the 
and you know, games played. Just, I think you know, Embiid has played more than Giannis this season. 68 versus 67. Yeah, so it's, you know, there's no availability issue there between those two. And that was a real, real B-stick difference between those two guys. And I could easily go back and forward um, and, and change my mind really, really quickly between those two. So they are really, really close in terms of two and three in the NBA MVP award. After that, it gets pretty interesting. At number four, I did have Jason Tatum, but I'm not, I'm not totally convinced. Like I've got Tatum there. Again, his advanced numbers are very, very impressive this season. Um, especially when we're looking second half of the year. He started off with the shot being a little bit wonky and he had some shooting issues this season. Defensively, I think he's really good. His ability to create his own shot has been awesome this year as well. Um, the Celtics were an absolute powerhouse the second half of the season, led by him the majority of that. And I just think, yeah, best player um, on that team who were one of the best teams over the second half of the season is a factor involved there. It's not the only factor. Um, you'll notice that I don't have Devin Booker there, but could you? is Devin Booker the best player on the Suns? He probably is, but maybe he isn't. I don't think there's any argument as to Jason Tatum being the best player on the Suns. And I just think he had a pretty good season. He played a lot as well. He played, what, almost 2,800 minutes, 76 games. That's important. Um, defensively, I thought he was pretty strong. So I've got him at number four. And then I've got Luka Doncic at number five. If you're going to just... Again, this was tough. It could have been Booker. It could have been Steph. It could have been Jar. It could have been a number of guys in this position. And I probably... Yeah, I, I went back and forth. And I did have Steph here. And I did take him out in the end and put Doncic. But I had Booker in that mix as well. I just think what Doncic's value, value to the Mavericks is so sky high that if he wasn't there, there is no way that they'd be anywhere near where they are. There's just, there's no way. He does everything for this team. So they finished one game out of the three slot, finished in the four seed. They won 52 games. Um, They've got a home court advantage for the first time in 10 years. He's been, again, he started the season slow, like Tatum did. But for the last three months, he's been absolutely rolling. He's doing everything for this team. He's usually just through the roof. He's setting his teammates up. He has some defensive issues for sure. He's not as horrible a defender as other people are. But I think what he has been able to do just in terms of overall value and overall importance to his team and just how good he's been for this season. I do have Doncic fifth, but again, this is, it's a really wide open thing. I think there's a clear three and the order of those three, I really wouldn't argue too much between them. Um, and then there's about four or five guys, including Tatum, Doncic, Steph, Booker in that next group as to who could be the four and the five in the MVP discussion. But that is the direction that I went with this award. And hey, if you've got theories on it, thoughts, hey, you drop that down below in the comments and then we'll get to talking about some of the other awards. But it's time for now for me to tell you about Price Picks. Do you know what Price Picks is? Well, the easy way to describe it, it's daily fantasy made easy. It's easy to use. You just get two to five players and you look at their over-under predictions, which they give you, whether it's points or rebounds or threes or whatever, and you just pick over-under. Push the two to five options together and you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. The props are easy to choose. Just go there. One, you got one or the other. That's it. Yes or no. Which one do you think it's going to go? And it doesn't have to just be basketball. You can combine multiple sports into one entry as well, whether it's baseball, football, when that season starts back up as well. And we've got an absolute no-brainer of an offer for you. Price Picks is giving you 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. It's an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans. So up today and use the code NBA. 50 bucks for free. If a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point, Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your sports stats, betting, and sports info. 
for all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. We eventually got there. BetOnline has all of those things for you. It's your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. They sent through some series odds as well. The Celtics, that they opened up as underdogs for the series against the Nets, but they are, in fact, now into favorites. So that's... Uh, Minus 130, the Celtics in that series over there. So I'm going to do all my series predictions tomorrow. But uh, you can get those odds over at Bet Online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, so let's move on to the rookie of the year. I don't think it's a surprise that I've got Evan Mobley as my rookie of the year. I've been you know, sort of on that train most of the year. I thought he was the best value rookie of the year pick before the season started. I think he's 12 to 1 to win that. And yeah, that those odds came in. He's by far the betting favorite. The top three, I don't think are really arguable. It's Mobley, Barnes, and Cade. If I was to say who's going to have the best career out of these three, I would actually say Cade. Mobley, then Barnes. Um, Cade was obviously fantastic. He was the best fantasy rookie this season, Cade was. Um, on a per-game basis, barely missing the top 50. And I think, yeah, he's going to be the highest fantasy guy of this group. But I think Mobley is going to really be able to step it up as well. But I just think what Mobley was able to do, and we'll talk about this more later, to be a legitimate candidate for an all-defense team, to be part of the reason why you were able to take your team from the doldrums into the playoffs, play in at least, maybe playoffs, we'll see, and be impactful defensively at that level as a big man, as a rookie, is massive, and also be a pretty strong uh, offensive player with plenty of room to grow. I just think that he was, um, he was awesome. And he gets a number one spot. I go with Barnsley at number two. Admittedly, I was I did not like the pick of Scott Barnes at four at all. And I, I was wrong very easily. Yeah, I thought it was silly to pick him. I think I had him at like eight on my draft board. I was extraordinarily worried about his inability to shoot. I thought he would handle the ball more and pass more in the NBA. That hasn't really happened. But his ability to improve his shooting, even though it did wax and wane, but you know, he was actually taking the shots that he was too scared to do or had no ability to do at Florida State. At least he took them in the NBA and he did take those steps forward. Defensively, I think he gets a little bit overrated at times, but he's still really solid there. And he's going to be a really good player. Will he ever be in an all-NBA discussion? I don't think so. But I've been wrong on Scotty Barnes already before. Great bloke, like a bloke, unbelievable, like just so exciting as, as, a, as a person, as a player. But, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he gets the up, actual, absolute upper echelons of players, and that's fine. He's been, I think, the best second best rookie this year, played a lot of games, key part of a, of a really good playoff team as well, and was able to step up and play point guard, play center, play so many different roles on this team. So, yeah, he is my number two. And number three is Cunningham, who, again, started slow. He still he only played 64 games, so he missed a little bit, but I think most people expect him that he missed a lot more than that. Started the season with the ankle injury, took a little bit of time to get going, really cranked it up towards the end of the year, especially when they got Jeremy Grant out of there, and I think they'll get Jeremy Grant out of there in the offseason as well. I think he's going to be a perennial all-star, um, all-NBA type of player. And again, he is the guy I think is going to have the best career out of this group. But I just can't, with the game-to-game -game inconsistency and some of the wild inefficiency stuff that he had, um, that makes it harder for me to get on him. Now, of course, he was doing it with a much worse team. Some would argue that maybe Mobley made the Cavs into a better team versus where they actually are as a team. We'll see where they end up. But Cunningham, I think, was able to take control of that team and really start to find his feet over the last two to three months of the year. So he comes in at number three to me in the Rookie of the Year. 
I reckon this that was easy to get those three. Easy to get the top three in MVP. This next one, I I don't I don't know. And that's defensive player of the year. I I just I don't know. I look at it now and I go, ah, is that who you picked, Josh? Because I'm not sure I agree with it anymore. And I feel like that's where I'm gonna be. Hey, by the way, rookie of the year, what's drop your comment down below. Who do you think should have won it? Defensive player of the year, I, I honestly don't know. Like I went with Rudy Gobert. And I know there will be the ridiculous comments, oh, you'll get played off the floor in the playoffs and all the jazz late collapses, all that. Is that on Gobert? Or is it on the fact that everyone else is a horrific defender and there's only so much you can do to hold on? Every one of his advanced stats is through the roof again. Um, you know, he, his block numbers, his rim protection numbers are awesome once again. It's just the same thing from him every year. I you know we get tired of it and people hate him for whatever reason. People don't like this bloke. They don't like him. Oh, because he touched microphones. He started COVID. Yeah. All right, cool. That's false, but no worries. Well, not the, he touched microphones. That's true. People hate him. And I, I just think that, again, he was very good. Was he as good as the last couple of years? Probably not. But he was still really good. I, you know, was Draymond Green have been in this mix if he had have been healthy for half the year? Probably, yeah. There are a number of guys that Kawhi Leonard obviously wasn't an option. There are a number of guys who could have been there, but injuries cause issues. Some of the best defenders are guys that don't play enough. Your Gary Payton's advanced defensive numbers are through the roof, but he doesn't play enough. Your Paul George defended well, but your Bam Adebayo missed a bunch of time. Like, am I going to put him there? Derek White, they want the best, one of the best guard defenders in the NBA. Like, he's not going to get this award. It was just really tough to do. So I went with Gobert at one. I went Jaron Jackson at two. I just think, again, his ability to protect the rim was huge. It did help having Steven Adams there to do a little bit of that dirty work, but Jackson's defensive ability, I thought was really impressive. His rim protection was great. I thought his ability to switch out was pretty impressive as well. All the metrics will back up that he had a successful defensive season too, as well as just watching him play. So I went with him at two. I don't think I feel great about it, but I did go with him at two. And number three, I went with Jarrett Allen. I went with the Cavs because they have had, in the past, some of the worst defense you'll ever see. And this year, they were a pretty good defense. And I was trying to work out who who is it. Is it Mobley? Is it Allen who's producing that? Is it both? It probably is both. But the team was significantly better defensively with Allen on versus Allen off. I think he probably drove it maybe a little bit more than what, um, than what Mobley did. They were both key parts of it. And when you have a team that turns around their defensive identity as much as they did, uh, someone has to be the reason behind that. And I think I think it was Allen. I'm not convinced that it was. Could this have been a wing player? Could it have been a Marcus Smart in this zone? Sure. Could it have been Bam Adebayo? Yep. Could it have been you know, Matisse Thibel? Could it have been a guy I would have loved to have gone in here? It was Lonzo Ball, but he didn't play enough. I thought he was awesome defensively, but he's not playing enough. So I went with Jared Allen. Again, I don't know how good I feel about those picks, but they're the picks that I'm going with. Tell me how stupid those ones are. Drop them in the comments. Who do you think is Defensive Player of the Year? Guys, if you're looking for parts for your car, there's absolutely no reason to go to a local chain auto parts store. Is there anything I hate more than local chain auto parts stores? Probably, but not in this ad, because they are the worst. You go there, you got to line up, you got to deal with crowds and queues and the bloke behind the counter condescendingly talking to you. And then for the privilege of that, charging you more, nobody wants that. 
You can go to rockauto.com and you can find all of the parts available for your car or truck. Rock Auto is a family business serving online auto parts customers for over 20 years. Whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet, Rock Auto has everything that you need for your car or truck. So check it out at their expansive website, rockauto.com, and find everything that you need for your car or truck. And in their How Did You Hear About Us box, write Locked On so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let's go to six man of the year. Is this my most controversial one? Maybe. Maybe. And I think this is a pushback from me against the way that this award is judged in general. Who scores the most points coming off the bench? Historically, that's what it's been. There's no rule that says that's what it has to be. It actually shouldn't be that because most of the time, it's just, it, it shouldn't be that. And that's historically how it's gone. So people, there'll be a number of arguments and say, well, Tyler Hero averaged 20 points per game for the number one seed coming off the bench. And I can't argue with that because that's true. Well, why would you want to change the way it's always been done? Well, because the way it's always been done is wrong to begin with. It should never have been that way. So why do we just go with a fake um, you know, product description just to keep it going? Was Tyler Hero really good this year? Yes. Was his defense really bad? Yes. Was his efficiency league average or below? Yes. All that stuff is true. Did he score a lot because his usage, they just he just took a lot of shots? Yes. Did he play starters minutes coming off the bench? Also, yes. Did they keep him in a sixth-man role even when there was plenty of injuries? Yes. That's yeah, Maybe they value having that sixth-man there, but they would start Caleb Martin or Gabe Vincent or Max Struess to keep him in the sixth man role, even though they play him as a starter, is some of that to try and get him sixth man of the year award? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the skeptical person in me would say yes. And I'm talking a lot about here, a bloke who I don't even have in my top three on the ballot. And you would say that that is crazy. And I get it. And, I, and I, I acknowledge that there is some pushback here from me about just saying, I'm not picking the highest scorer coming off the bench. The other guy who's widely favored for this award is Kevin Love, who I think has been really good. I don't have him in my top three either. If I'm going to, this is a guy who I think is so important and doesn't get enough buzz. And I don't think this team gets talked about enough. And maybe, am I compensating for not having Devin Booker higher in the MVP? Maybe. I think Cameron Johnson has been unbelievable this year. Started off a little bit slowly, but a guy that can come in, fills in larger roles when needed, started when needed, shot unbelievably, provides really solid defense and rebounding. And I just think, again, his impact metrics are unbelievable. And it's not because he's playing with this starting group that's amazing. He's not. He's just not playing with them that much. He's playing off the bench and still driving so much efficient offense and solid defense. And again, I think this is a pretty stupid award to begin with. But I think that Cam is a guy that's been under the radar a lot this year. Um Filling this role perfectly. I don't know what his role is like or how he looks if he pushes into a 30-minute-a-night starting role. I'm not sure he's actually going to be that guy that elevates his game significantly in that situation, although we did see it a little bit this year. But as a sixth man, I thought he's been really impressive. I think Emmanuel Quickly, who should have been starting all season, is also in that mix. I think he's been super impressive. He closed plenty of games. This is not, you know, he's not the highest scorer coming off the bench. His impact metrics are through the roof. Now, some of that stuff is because of the starters being dreadful. But the starters are also dreadful in comparison to the bench because of how well quickly played. Um, yeah, the, again, I think this is a, is a weird award. It's not one that you know, it makes a lot of 
uh, not not sense. Does it? Does it? Yeah. Where does it say? Oh, this is the bench guy, the best guy who's not able to start. Like, wh- where does that leave you? Like, I don't know. That, that feels a little bit weird to me. But quickly, for example, in like EPM, 89th percentile, 88th percentile in wins added. Like those numbers are impressive. Like that they are important to be able to be that impactful, which is by the way significantly higher than a um than Tyler Hero. Like it's, it's just significantly higher. And if we're not going to base it all off that, but when there are such significant discrepancies there and quickly is doing a lot of stuff um, uh, passing-wise as well, I, I just think that, again, am I being contrarian here? Probably a little bit, yeah. But I, I just think that Quickly's in season this year has been really impressive. It's probably a little bit underrated um, how well he's actually played for this squad. Yeah, his Raptor as well was a plus 4.1. Like, just big numbers. He had some really interesting defensive numbers as well this year, which I'm not sure I completely buy. But I was impressed with what he was able to do. What did quickly actually average? He played 23 minutes, averaged 11 points, almost four assists. Um, shot 88 from the line. What did he shoot from three? 35% there. He had a true shooting of, what, 54%, which is, is below average, um, admittedly. But I just think what he was able to do in, in being just a key part of that bench was was interesting. And I also want to reward Isaiah Hartenstein. Because again, I think he's, some of his rim protection numbers and defensive field goal out at the rim, I think it's the best in the NBA. His advanced numbers are all sky high. We're talking top 30 across the league in most of these numbers. The minutes are very low, but that's the definition of a sixth man. Like you come off the bench and when you're out there, you play really, really well. And I think that's you know, exactly what Hartenstein did defensively. Really good. He averaged a block a game in 18 minutes. He shot 62% from the field. He averaged two and a half assists in 17 minutes. He passed. He defended. He scored efficiently. All of his advanced numbers are absolutely through the roof. Like through the roof. Like I said, top 30 type numbers. Was he able to do this if he moved into a larger role? I don't know. But we didn't get to see that, did we? Box score plus minus of 4.5. Like he's yeah, true shooting above league average was massive. If it was, his true shooting was 66% this year. And by far the best of his career. His on-off was a plus 10. Look, that is that is a huge number. So I'm, I'm just going to reward these guys. Again, it's a weird award. A lot of these awards are weird. It's a weird award, but that's the way I went. And I know you guys are going to hate those picks, and that's totally fine. It's got a most improved. How do you judge this? Do you go from great to excellent? Do you go from good to great? Do you go from shit to average? I, I went from sort of good to very very good and this order you might as well jumble it up i did in the end go from darius to, to darius garland because there is not i'll say there's not anyone but that's not true there are very few people who would have said yep darius garland's going to be the best player on a Cavs team that's going to push into the postseason not in the playoffs yet no one would have looked at that it did help i guess that colin sexton was out and the ball had to go into the better players hands Garland started to show this towards the end of last season. And as a rookie, he was a disaster. But now, look, he's playing huge minute loads. His assists are up. His shooting has been fantastic. His scoring has been great. He's able to take on the role of, I am the lead guy on this team now. And not only did he move into that role of being the lead player, but he made the team better in doing it, which I think is a very hard thing to do. Made his first All-Star game. Again, taking them to the postseason. But I could easily have had Ja Morant here who was good last season, 
had some disappointments, but took himself from being good to being yeah, a genuine superstar, which again is a hard leap to, to take. He did have some issues with missed games this year and, and injuries, and the team really didn't miss any beat when he was out. So you, you may should go, well, he's doing a lot of this stuff, but is it how much a system? It probably isn't, but that I guess that's part of a question around him. But the leap he took this year was amazing. And the same with DeJounte Murray. They lost a lot of players, so there was opportunities for guys to take that. I thought that in terms of usage, I didn't think DeJounte had it in him. I thought Derek White would take on large usage role because we've seen Derek White do that in the past. But that's not the way it went. It was DeJounte Murray who became the number one player on this team in a significant way. He has also taken his team into the postseason. We don't know if they're going to get any further than that at this stage. But he was able to step it up. Now, I don't know how much of what DeJounte does is able to translate to high levels the way Jar does or even the way Darius Garland does. Yeah, can he maintain this level of usage and and scoring efficiency over a prolonged period of time on a team that might be a five or six seed? I'm not sure about that. But I do know that he's had a great year and he improved out of sight with so many different numbers this year. So let's look at the All-NBA first team. I'm going to run through these ones. Doncic, Steph as my guards, Giannis and Tatum as my forwards, and Jokic as my center. And no, I'm not going to fudge it and put Jokic as a forward and Embiid as a center so they both get on the first team. I believe that if we're doing All-NBA first team, you probably shouldn't have positions anyway. But if you're going to have positions, you shouldn't make up fake positions in order to get the better players in there because Jokic doesn't play forward at all. Embiid does not play forward at all. It's bullshit that that's the way it is. All right? So I'm just not going to do it that way. And because I, I had Jokic over Embiid, I have Jokic over Embiid here. If I was doing it in terms of purely... Um, you know, who's in my All-NBA first team? Just be my five guys on my, on my MVP ba- ballot, really. That's that's how I would do it, but that's how we're going here. So Doncic, Curry, Giannis, Tatum, and Jokic. Second team. I am going to put Ja Morant on this team. Um, it gets a little bit iffy around this time, but I think Morant and, and Devin Booker as the guards, it's harder to argue with that. I think Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid are pretty locks for this team. Yes, Durant missed some time. He didn't miss that much time. Though. Like, obviously, he missed time with that knee injury. He ended up playing 56 games. Same amount as LeBron, interestingly enough. Averaged 30 points per game. I just think he was better than LeBron this year. And I've got DeMar DeRozan on there. And DeRozan was excellent. To be honest, when I did most improved, he was almost on my ballot, which is weird to say for a bloke that's 32, but he had by far the best year of his career. Was it the biggest improvement? Probably not. That's why I didn't have him in the top three, but he's a name that at least came up when I was doing my uh, ballots here. And then center is Embiid. So I got DeRozan in the second team over um, LeBron. And I just think their their impact this season was similar. LeBron had some big numbers playing at center, which was weird. It didn't lead to wins on his team in that way. And he just missed way more time than DeRozan. So DeRozan gets the edge there over him. So on the third team, I went with Trey Young and I went with Drew Holiday. I just think Drew Holiday gets really underrated. His defensive ability is is awesome. Um, and he's a, a guy that you know, offensively provided good numbers for the number two team or number three team over in the East. Um, and I just, you know, I thought he had a better year than say a Donovan Mitchell, uh, who was also in the mix here for me to get as the guard, you know, better season than James Harden. Yeah, Harden obviously had some real, real issues at times, despite some good counting stats. So that's the direction I went with Trey Young and Drew Holiday. Forwards, LeBron and Jimmy Butler both missed a bit of time. Butler didn't, you know, he was frustrating from a fantasy point of view. We know that. He missed a bunch of games, but he did play more than Durant and more than LeBron. 
but they are going to get it. They're both going to get that spot on the third team. And then Gobert is going to be my All-NBA third team center. I got him Defensive Player of the Year. I think he has to get that spot um, as my third team um, center. Let's go All-Rookie first team. This one is positionless. because That's how the NBA does it. Mobley, Barnes, Cunningham, Herbalife, Jones, and Franz Wagner. First three are obvious. I went with Jones just defensively to be an impact rookie defender is a massive thing. To play as a starter for basically all season is a massive thing. And to improve your shooting as much as he did is a massive thing. First team. Franz Wagner, unbelievable year. Unbelievable year. Does he have the ability to take several levels up in the future? I'm not sure about that. But at this stage, I think he had a very, very strong rookie season and has to be in this mix. All rookie second team. Josh Giddy, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Chris Duarte, and the big stiffy Bones Highland. I was going to put in Alperen Sengun. I just didn't think he played enough and had some impact issues early on. Um, Giddy and Jalen Green, I think, are obvious. Green, yes, he could have made it over Jones in the first team, but let's be honest, for the first three months of the year, he was one of the worst players in the NBA, if not the worst rotation player in the NBA. Shout out Trey Lyles. But Green was up there. He was really, really bad, and he was great to end the year, but I don't think that gets him into the first. Jalen Suggs shot horribly. Defensively, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was very, very good defensively. And yes, shooting is it was bad. Maybe it never gets there. I thought he had some good passing moments. But the fact that he's able to come in as a rookie and actually be an impact defender is very, very hard to do. So I think I give I think I know that I give him props for that. Duarte dropped off a lot as the season went on, but you know, coming in and being an impactful rotation player gets him a spot here. And then we go with Bones Highland, another guy that shot well, was able to take on shot creation load. And if he was on another team that wasn't the Nuggets, Bones might have made first team. Like if he had been, say he got drafted as the Magic, no reason he couldn't have jumped up into that position and yeah, played 30 minutes a night, averaged 20 points. I think it's possible with what he did this year. Again, Shengun probably um, a little bit unlucky to make it or to, to not make it there but I just don't think the impact was quite there for him as much as I like him moving forward. That is how I've got this. Now, all defense first team. Again, it's, it's very hard to judge this stuff. As my guards, I went with Caruso and Herb Jones. Did I fudge it a little bit to get Herb Jones as a guard? Yes, but last 20 games of the year, he played as a guard. You know, next to CJ McCollum. So he's on there with Caruso. I think his defense impact was that good. It was that impressive as a rookie to be on there. I thought he was super impressive. Forwards, Jaron Jackson and Draymond Green. And center is Rudy Gobert. Again, hard to argue, I think, too much with that. Second team, Marcus Smart and Matisse Thibel. Drew Holiday was very close here. I did go with Thibel, though, just as an impact defender. Forwards, Evan Mobley and Al Horford. Again, Mobley was able to take this team to be a good defender. Same with Jarrett Allen, who's on this team also. And then Horford, his, his defensive numbers are so impressive this year. His blocks are up. Was it him or Rob Williams? I don't know. But I know that when Rob Williams went out, the team was still really good defensively. And I think that was Horford. Being a good defender is not just blocking shots. It's being able to position yourself and being able to help organize others as well. And I think Horford was super impressive in, in that respect. But like so many of these award picks, there is plenty of room for... Uh, none of this is definitive, of course. And plenty of room for other names to come in here. So let me know, what did you agree with? What did you not agree with? What would you have done differently when looking at your own awards? And I'm sure he's going to say Tyler Hero has to be sixth man of the year. And that's fine. You can have that opinion. Um, again, and I acknowledge that maybe I'm just pushing too hard against that narrative. Drop whatever you think down below in the comments. 
don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app if you are here on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.